0: giving you full disclosure. This is The Debriefer. Hello, this is Donna Ballman in Florida, welcoming you to a special edition of The Debriefer. As you know, if you're a regular listener, we often cover stories featuring writers who claim their plots, ideas, or storylines have been borrowed by unscrupulous movie studios or producers. Well today, we're looking in-depth at a case that's happening the other side of the pond. That's Peter's side, and this time it's not a Hollywood studio that's being accused of wrongdoing, but the world's biggest public service broadcaster, the bbc earlier this week best-selling writer and screenwriter matthew hall came into our studio in london to talk with peter and this is what happened
1: matthew hall you are a screenwriter a producer and a best-selling crime novelist your debut novel was entitled the coroner and it was nominated for the crime writers association gold tiger award Since then, you've published five further titles dealing with the adventures of former lawyer turned coroner Jenny Cooper, all set in England's West Country. So just how surprised were you to learn that the BBC were intending to film a drama series entitled The Coroner, featuring the adventures of a former lawyer turned coroner called Jane Kennedy, all set in England's West Country, without your permission... ...without your approval, and most importantly, without buying television rights to your books.
2: I was uh, initially very angry. <laughs> um, the uh, Someone tipped me off, actually, who uh, knew someone who was involved in the production. Um, now, I was particularly angry because my, my first novel was published in 2009. Um, and since 2009, I had been approaching television as a writer and producer... Um, trying to do an adaptation of my books. And uh, my project was called The Coroner, of course. Um, And I'd been to the BBC several times with several different iterations. Um, And as anyone will tell you in television, it takes a number of years often to get something something off the ground. Yeah, Yeah. so I had uh, quite a powerful project. I'd written a spec script. I had uh, the Oscar-nominated actress Emily Watson attached. Wow. Um so we were we were doing quite well in terms of um uh putting together a very viable television option so I've been approaching um the BBC drama commissioning unit, their central unit in London now I'd had a couple of knockbacks as you do, but anyway, I was persisting with this project, and then to hear that um BBC daytime, which is a separate department out of Birmingham, were doing a show called the coroner that had enormous headline similarities to mine. Um, It sort of beggared belief. How did you find out about it? Well, um, a friend of mine uh, knew someone who was writing on the show and said, uh, actually, he was misled. He said, oh, are they adapting your books? Well done, fantastic. So you've got your show away. That's right. Uh, I said no, and he told me about it. And the next thing that happened was my own screenwriting agent at Independent Talent, big agency said oh well done in a phone call and I said what do you mean <laughs> um, he knew I'd been working on trying to get a television adaptation going and he assumed that I'd done it in daytime without telling him somehow Amazing. or another so that's what set me off right. and your reaction was? it was uh, anger naturally um, then bemusement and then confusion because um, my background is you know—but be- years before I was I was a lawyer, I was a, a barrister Um, so the legality to these things really exercised me quite a lot. And uh, I thought about it, and I thought, well, actually, they're sailing incredibly Close to the wind here. Well, let's
1: just look at some of the similarities, all right. In your novel, Jenny, that's your protagonist, has a fifteen-year-old son with whom she has a difficult relationship. In the BBC drama series, Jane, that's the name of her protagonist, Mm. has a daughter, also fifteen, described by the corporation as quote, a goth who is quote obsessed with death. Jenny is assisted by a coroner's officer, who's female, a former detective sergeant. The BBC says that its coroner, Jane, is Forced to work with Davy, the boy who broke her heart and is now the local detective sergeant. So there are similarities there, but they kind of twisted it a bit, haven't they, too?
2: That's right. But I think um they're both women of a very similar age. My character, Jenny's forty two when we meet her. I think this lady's uh, the BBC's character is forty. They're both they're both <laughs> so re- taken two years off her. So they're both recently divorced. So they yeah. they've got a very uh, similar hinterland. Um and they're one county. Apart. It seems
1: that someone has consciously changed these things. Forty to forty-two, one county apart. It mm. does look as if someone's, doesn't it? It's sort all of Occam's razor.
2: Yes, there, um, there is a
1: similarity, but there's just a slight difference as well.
2: Yeah, well, you know, obviously, I have to. I'll keep my lawyer's hat on. I'll be careful what I say. But yeah. look, the um, I, I think I said in correspondence with the BBC, very polite correspondence, let me say, that it stretched uh, credulity to its limits to think that the BBC's series came about without any reference mm. to my books or indeed to my scripts. I met with a stone wall there. I met with um, an answer which was that there is no copyright in an idea, there is no copyright in a title, and that the similarities such as they were, were not specific enough to attract copyright protection. Say the BBC made a judgment there. They obviously looked at it.
1: Well, the BBC are quoted in the Telegraph as saying, Matthew Hall, that's you, M.R. Hall, I should say. You write under M.R. Hall. That's right. And there will be good links uh, on the Latopia website to your books, Matthew, as well. Make sure we give you a good plug, even if they don't. Um, Matthew Hall has been made aware on several occasions that his novels were not used as a source material and there has been no breach of copyright. What do you say to that?
2: I have made the BBC aware on several occasions. I initiated the correspondence that I believed that they were potentially in danger of breaching my copyright and indeed of Passing off, which is a legal term, but... um, Can you explain that to us? Yeah, my argument is that um, I've created a literary brand in the title The Coroner. Um, My books have been translated into about 10 languages. They sell in many countries across the world. My publishers have invested annually in poster campaigns on national train stations, on the underground network, on, on buses in order to create a brand. Uh, They're trying to associate me, M.R. Hall, with the coroner, Jenny Cooper. Uh, And obviously, uh, um, if if you've established a brand uh, and then someone comes along and uh, rides on the back of it, um, in this case it's a show called The Coroner and thereby misleads people into believing that it is based on your original brand, or an adaptation of your original brand, uh, that's called Passing Off. So Lord. people
1: people are going to get confused.
2: Yes, and of course I, I warned the BBC um, early in 2015 that it was already happening. I do regular talks as, as an author in mm. libraries and bookshops, literary festivals, and every talk I was giving, people had read about this Coroner series, oh, we're looking forward to an adaptation of your books on television. Right. And every time I had to give the stock response, the BBC say, any similarities are purely coincidental. Um, I warned the BBC this was happening. I warned them it would increase. I warned them that there would be embarrassment when their programme aired because this would become a talking point. Um, You know, I met with a stone wall. I also... This is interesting. I I invited them in um, a letter I wrote to them in August to tell me exactly where they draw the line um, in terms of respecting an established format as i said effectively you know given that there are great similarities in these two formats can you tell me precisely where the bbc how, how much of an existing format the bbc feels it's appropriate to, uh, mm, to, to borrow. borrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: what, what would you say to them if they turned around and said, well, you know, whether there's a similarity or not, I mean, um, let's face it, it's fantastic to have a series on television. Um, we're probably going to sell a lot more books for you, aren't we? You should be grateful.
2: I'm not in the least bit grateful. I wouldn't have um, optioned the rights to my books for a daytime series. Um, I've written many hours of, I think, over 50 hours of prime-time television drama, so I was not going to go down that route. Right. Um, that's part of my argument, actually, that it, that it is uh, diluting my brand because people are being misled into believing it's a poor adaptation of my yeah. books. I've had correspondence to that effect Good daytime well. television
1: is, is cheap, isn't it? It's cheap programming.
2: <laughs> It's, it's cheap programming, it's not challenging, it's not intelligent, it's mm. not really designed to, um, to, 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 to be thought-provoking, um, and my books really are designed to be thought-provoking, and they're sort of political with a small...
1: So thing. there's only one thing worse than being ripped off, and that's being ripped off badly.
2: Exactly so, mm. yes.
1: <laughs> How common do you think this sort of allegation is?
2: I think it's quite common. I think that... Um, Obviously, I'm involved in the independent production sector and have been for a number of years. Um, And it is very common for independent producers and writers to raise these sort of allegations, I think particularly against the BBC, to say that they've had unfortunate experiences where ideas they've pitched have uh, materialised as programmes elsewhere. Now, this is a very difficult area in that in a creative industry like television, people are pitching ideas all the time. Mm. Now, what I feel is the case is that we haven't developed a proper ethical framework. Um, And I think it's particularly beholden on the BBC to develop a proper ethical framework.
1: Why is it beholden on on the BBC particularly?
2: Well, they are a nationalised broadcaster. Right, they're a public service. They're a public service. Um, Every penny that comes through is from the
1: licence fee. That's the taxpayer, because we have a lot of American listeners. I don't think they know how the BBC is funded. Basically, if you have a, a television set and you receive television programmes, then you, you have to pay the licence fee, don't you? It's not, you know, standard us 50 quid if you like our programmes. It's actually the law. It's the criminal law in the UK.
2: You have to pay £145 a year for a television yeah. licence. If you have a television, you don't pay it. That's a criminal offence. You end up in court. Right. Um... So it's quite, you know, it's it's quite draconian. Um now I, I support the idea of a public broadcaster, um, but I think what we have is a strange hybrid in the BBC at the moment. Um again for American listeners, they they may not know this, but in the nineteen eighties, uh, Margaret Thatcher's government created the independent production sector. So right this whole new industry arose of small independent companies who could sell their ideas into the broadcasters, including the BBC. Well, that's great, Um, but the BBC is in direct competition with those independent Mm -hmm. production companies, particularly Mm -hmm. for ideas, and this is where most of the problem arises in that independent producers worry that their ideas get appropriated and recycled and... Emerge elsewhere. And I've had experience with that in several other projects. I can't, I mustn't really talk about that at the moment. But we don't have a proper system whereby every idea that's pitched is logged and that the first person to pitch that has the first claim on it. I was days. just going to
1: say, what would you suggest? And this sounds to me like a, a very sensible idea.
2: Well, um, the BBC did have a, a, an e commissioning system whereby every idea was meant to be fed into this system and logged Um, but immediately producers started worrying that their ideas were being read um, and recycled that was their concern, I'm not saying it happened that was their concern Um, so I think actually we need a third party system whereby if you have an original idea um, you've got to write it down in a prescribed format it's got to be lodged, logged dated um, and that's the only fair way to have a system operating. It's kind of like the Writers Guild in America have, I think, in relation to, to movie scripts. You can yeah. register your script. Yeah. Um, we need to have a system like that. Um, it, it, there's a, there's also a broader problem with the BBC in that it, although it's a public service broadcaster, in effect, it's a commercial broadcaster because it's being asked to com- compete in the commercial sphere. Yeah. They, they judged their success on ratings. The trade press is, every week it's BBC versus ITV, who's come off top in the ratings. So they're engaged in this uh, scramble um, to be as good as the uh, commercial broadcasters. And in the process, their ethics
1: uh, are the same, or maybe on occasion even worse than the commercial sector. That's what you're saying
2: exactly that yeah. yeah and I think that um, you know it, the BBC ought to have a high standard of ethics but but that's going to come at some degree of cost they're gonna they're gonna lose out in 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 some respects but they have to be able to swallow that mm. um, and they have to be able to judge their performance by some other criteria as well um, I also think it's beholden on the BBC to treat people who complain very legitimately with some degree of respect now what I've encountered is um, not aggressive lawyers from uh, aggressive letters from the BBC lawyers, but very, very defensive mm. letters from the BBC lawyers. Um, of course, the BBC has its own team of in-house lawyers. Money is no object. Yeah, but you used to be a lawyer. I
1: mean, that's what that was. That's what lawyers. Are paid for. You're paid to be a pit bull.
2: Yeah, um, but do you expect the BBC's lawyers to behave like that, or do you? Expect them to um, to treat your very legitimate complaint with some degree of sympathy and and, mm. and to entertain some sort of discussion mm. um, but no discussion only a, only a stone wall
1: there's two um, words and the other one was off.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: So, um, if we could magically bring the director general of the BBC into this room here and now, what would you tell him about your case?
2: I would tell him that um, I feel that some of those involved in this production have, particularly as I put them on notice, squarely on notice um, of the headline similarities, they have decided very consciously proceed with a show which they felt just about squeaked inside what the current laws of copyright allows them to do. So getting away with the maximum within the law, is that a way for public service broadcast? feels a bit shoddy, doesn't it? It feels shoddy. Now, I also think that they have overstepped the law, particularly in, in relation to the issue of passing off. So I think the quality of the legal advice within the BBC was poor and I think they'll rue the day that um, they didn't take any notice of my complaints. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, Matthew, for coming in. I know that um, almost all our listeners will feel enormous sympathy for you because, you know, there but for the grace of who knows what could go
2: any writer. That's exactly right. Thank you for having me on.
0: So, Peter, what did you find most shocking about Matthew Hall's description of the BBC's behaviour?
1: Oh, lots of things, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was really stunned, I have to say. it's
1: not a good situation, is it? I liked him. I thought he was a very nice person, um, very professional. And the thing is, Donna, you know, he's not naive. I mean, this is a guy who's written enormously successful television drama, Um, I don't know how anyone could really go out of their way to, to find fault with anything that he's done on this, actually. And yet, you know, you've got a sophisticated person there, he's a lawyer like you, fantastic law degree and the rest of it, and yet he still finds himself in this situation in which I'm not going to point a finger at any particular person, but honestly, I think if you heard a jury of 12 good men and women and true, and you put the facts in front of them, I think they would all agree, yes, there, of course, there is an overwhelming similarity between his books and this series. And, yeah, to put it bluntly, he's been ripped off. So I don't think this is good enough. I think uh, for a public service broadcaster like the BBC, I think they should be setting ethical standards... I think they should be exhibiting leadership in this field. And you know something? It's not as if this is the only time it's ever happened. All you have to do, and I think we should do this in the show notes, is you just Google these three words, BBC Stolen Ideas, and you will find... Oh, no. Yeah, you will, you will find case after case after case. Now, I'm not saying the BBC has stolen ideas in every one of those cases. One of them, though, very interestingly, is of a guest that we have previously had on... Two or three years ago now, on Latopia After Dark, a fantastic show with ambassador. He was actually a British ambassador, Craig Murray. And he was in discussions um, for uh, dramatisation of his life story, his autobiography, and eventually the discussions fell apart. But you know what? He found something on television with remarkable similarities to his own life story. So it's just not good enough, really, is it?
0: It isn't. And I think his idea of having some sort of a a registry for ideas makes some sense. I I think the copyright laws were made when people actually had some sense of honor and shame. And I think the writers who are participating in this really, you know, and I don't want to get sued under British libel laws to just say, assuming that what he says is correct, assuming that what he says is true, then then the writers who are participating in this shame on them because you're screwing over another writer
1: that's a very good point actually um there is not <laughs> there's not enough solidarity amongst writers actually um very sadly they don't they don't hang together therefore they they hang apart I would love to see the BBC tackle this issue head on and one of the things that Matthew said of course was that he felt they didn't respond adequately he just got the basic you know lawyers letters in return they they weren't taking it seriously they were sort of circling the wagons what they need to do is to say look this is an issue is not a one-off. It's something that recurs. So first of all, I think they actually need to educate their producers, both in-house and external. They they need to say, look, we do have certain ethical standards here. If you want to use somebody's book, this is the process you have to go through in order to do that. And if you deviate from that, then we're not going to have anything to do with you. They've got to show leadership in this area. If they don't do that, then this sort of case is going to come back and bite them on the bum time and time again. And I'll tell you one thing, Donna. I don't think Matthew is going to give up. I don't think this is going to go away. I think he's going to pursue it. And there's only, in my view, there's only one ultimate conclusion. Actually, if he keeps on pushing, I think the BBC are going to have to admit they've done something wrong. And
0: if they don't, then maybe it's time for Parliament to act and try to protect writers. Because if we don't protect writers, then who is going to make our stories? Yep, good point. Well, that's all for this edition of The Debriefer. If you have questions about using the law in writing or a story you want us to cover, don't forget to tell me about it by hitting the email button on the Debriefer show page. Join us again in two weeks, more or less, for more about writing and the law. And for those of you on my side of the pond, happy Thanksgiving. Happy
1: Thanksgiving. Eric Beck-Rubin, hardcore, out-of-control book enthusiast, inviting you to listen to a new show here on Latopia called Burning Books. Every three weeks, we put out a new podcast on a single book. It could be a recent debut, a classic, fiction, nonfiction, and everything in between. The idea is to explore what lies at the heart of great books, books that try to be great, but don't quite make it, as well as, now and then, books that are irredeemably bad so check out our archive shows on litopia and we'll look forward to having you join us for our next podcast
0: burning books exclusively from litopia.com